welcome to Canucks Corner, Stanley Cup Edition. This is the podcast in which I, Aaron Lane, get to the Stanley Cup Finals. We talk about how we got here, we talk about a specific game within the Stanley Cup Finals, and we talk about anything that may come after. The pregame show. This is part of the podcast in which I get to say what's happened in the Stanley Cup Finals before the big game that we'll be talking about. All right, the news has been pretty good for Pittsburgh up till this point. They won games one and two, and things looked good, but then they got back to Nashville, and Nashville won games three and four, which suddenly made it not so good for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh then decided to say, well, you know what? We're going to crush you. And in game five, they crushed Nashville. Now in the playoffs, we've noticed that after seven to one, Six nothing. These types of games. I think seven nothing. I think was a game. The other team has come back from that, and the next game has had a good game, and I think has won every single time. Also, the home team have won a lot of these games. So we were expecting coming back to Nashville for Game Six that it would be a home victory. At least quite a few people did, except for my son. My son figured that it was time for Pittsburgh to win it all and to finish it off. So we'll see what happens. Game time. This is the part of the program where I get to tell you what happened in a specific game. And in this specific game, it is Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals, 2017. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are up three games to two, looking to close out the series and win their second Stanley Cup Finals in two years, going back-to-back. Today's the 13th of June So I believe it was the 11th of June that this took place. And it was Pecorine in net against Matt Murray for the Pittsburgh Penguins. There was over 100,000 people in the streets of Nashville outside of the stadium. There was some 20,000 inside the stadium. There was another 20,000 inside of Pittsburgh's arena watching on the big screens. It was crazy. So we get into that first period. And immediately in the first period, you can see that Things are being sussed out. They're nervous and they're not sure, but they're pushing as hard as they can without making a mistake. Subin starts out with getting a big shot and Murray makes a big blocker save. Penguins get some pressure early. Gunsel gets a good chance. Wilson gets another good chance later, but Rennie's up for the task there. Rennie's numbers at home at this point are unbelievable. It's not a surprise that he's doing extremely well in the first period here. One of the things I noticed right away is that both sides are putting a lot of physical pressure on the goaltender. They're coming right into the goal crease. They're trying to get contact with the goaltender when they can, and overall trying to get under the goalie's skin right away. Then we have an opportunity where Kunitz is right in front of Rune as the pass comes from the corner, and it's that cross-crease pass. And he takes that shot, but Rene is down in the butterfly position, and he gets his big pad out there to make the save. And it's really not all that close, but had it gone differently, you never know. A huge thing in a game like this, in any huge game like this, is that your star players play like star players. And here, if Jenny Malkin... Gino isn't leading the rush that often. He isn't he isn't getting into like every once in a while he'll pick up the puck and run with it. But where I really notice him is in his own zone. He is using his big strength and he is using his long stick and he is 
back-checking hard. He even finds himself behind the net every once in a while. He's picking up the puck in his own zone and carrying it out. He's turned into this really solid two-way player all of a sudden. And it's it's working. It's making him a real key piece of this Pittsburgh puzzle. But then all of a sudden, Cole gets a penalty. Two minutes for interference, the first penalty of the game. As I can recall, the, the interference was pretty lame. It wasn't a situation where he was stopping a goal from happening or anything like that, and it wasn't like he tackled a guy. It was kind of a marginal call for a for a first period uh, in a you know a Stanley Cup deciding game potentially anyway. And I was wondering, you know, okay, well if that's the way the referees want to play it, that's fine, I suppose. There you go. As it happens, Nashville just throws the puck around a lot and doesn't really get a lot of quality chances. And Pittsburgh comes at them pretty much as hard as they can and kills the penalty. So that's pretty awesome. And that's most of the period. It's just gone back and forth and back and forth. A lot of really exciting hockey in a way, but still controlled, you could tell. Two minutes left. Murray makes a huge glove save off of Neal. Off to Murray's left. Neal came inside and made a move on him, tried to put it up top, and he got his glove there and made the save. And then with one minute left, Hornquist gets a, the puck into Hagelin, and Hagelin gets a chance, a close-in chance on, on Rene, and he can't put it in either. And then seconds left, Crosby takes a shot from the point, and there's a blocker save on that one too. So it's a well-earned 0-0 tie at the end of the first period. Now, let's get on to that second period of play. In the second period, we have probably the turning point of the game, and maybe the series, maybe the entire Stanley Cup. One of the Nashville players comes in off of the off, off the right of Murray, and he comes in with the referee behind him, and he takes a shot on Murray. Murray stomps it in his, kind of in his midsection, sort of, but the puck immediately squeezes through, I think, under his left arm, under his glove arm but he's kind of spread out in his butterfly and the referee can no longer see the puck and he thinks it's in Murray's equipment at least that's the best we can tell because he blows the whistle right away when clearly the puck is now sitting behind Murray right in front of the open net and then one of the Nashville Predators dives and and just pokes it into the empty net and it's a goal there's no way that should not be a goal. There was a fraction of a second that went by, maybe a, maybe one whole second that went by between Murray stopping the puck and it slipping through him. And in that in that second, in that moment, the referee blew the whistle and stopped the play, even though the puck was now on the other side of Murray and the puck gets poked in and it's no goal because the referee lost sight of the puck. <sighs> Big sigh of relief. For Pittsburgh fans, for my son, but yikes, that was just too much for the the poor Predators fans. And wow, every time it came up, they showed it on the on the you know big screen. The whole crowd went nuts, right? Because they knew this should be a goal, but unfortunately, that's the call. That is what always happens in that situation. If the referee blows the whistle or is even thinking about blowing the whistle as the puck goes into the net, like if he's you know in the process of blowing his whistle, then it's no goal. It just is. There's nothing. And even the other referee and the two linesmen came up to him afterwards and they must have said, no, that was definitely a goal. That was an early whistle, buddy. And the guy's like, well, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. And it's true. It's just one of those terrible situations. So, well, 
What difference does that make in the game? I guess we'll find out. It was, um, oh, it was Colton Sissons who uh, who poked it in. He could have been the reason why they played Game 7, but let's see what happens. A little bit later, Shiri gets called for tripping in the neutral zone. Again, not it's in the neutral zone. There's not a real reason for it. Maybe, you know, it would have been a two-on-one, perhaps, but it was... It was the type of thing where he probably didn't have to do it. Did it anyway, got the penalty, and it was a really good kill by Pittsburgh. Again, just like the first one, didn't give them a lot of chances, a lot of clean looks. And then they dove to knock the puck out a couple of times, including one clear by Cullen, who knocked knocked the puck out. Pretty good for a 40-year-old, whose youngest son apparently thought that he sucked. So, (laughs) I don't know if you guys caught that on, uh, I think it was... I saw it on CBC that uh, Colin's youngest son asking about the game that they lost, how daddy did. And he said, yeah, he sucked. So hopefully he doesn't suck in this game. And he hasn't so far because he's made a really good play to clear the puck in a crucial penalty kill. Sissons gets a, a partial breakaway. And Murray makes a huge save on on this breakaway. Again, coming from Murray's right to left, he's coming across the crease, and there's a penguin right behind him. So he has to kind of just get one move or half a move and a shot, and he did that, and Murray makes a save. At this point, it's going back and forth like crazy. And now Jim Hewson, the play-by-play man for the CBC, says they're playing desperate hockey. And now you can see it. They're not worrying as much about being safe anymore. Now it's clear they're worried about winning the Stanley Cup or in Predator's case, pushing it to Game 7. And this, it was excellent. It was excellent, fast-paced. Guys giving it their all sort of hockey. Less than two minutes remaining, there was an icing that... Oh, I just wanted to note that in the desperate hockey back and forth, there was a lot of chances including a shot from the point by a Pittsburgh Penguin where Ellis blocked the shot with the inner part of his knee. And Ellis was already hurting from the other night where he took a shot in the the kidney, I think. And then he takes a shot in the knee, in the inner knee, and he's just like, oh, he collapses in front of Rene. And the puck gets cleared out. And Rene just kind of like pats him on the butt and says, thanks, man, that was was game saver. And he got himself to his feet and you know, skated away. But yeah, so that's the type of hockey that we're talking about here. So anyway, yeah, less than two minutes, there was an icing by the Penguins, and they had to call their timeout because their guys were on there for too long, and it was pretty crucial in a 0-0 tie near the end of the second period. We can't let the Predators get any jump on us here. So they called the, the timeout, and that was it. They They got through it, and everything was good. But would that come back to bite the penguins in the butt maybe there were you know there'd be a coach's challenge that they couldn't take so that could potentially be a super important timeout that they no longer have so second period nothing nothing game six of the stanley cup finals nothing nothing going into the third period so malkin again picks up the puck behind his own net carries it out it was just this continuation of this type of play where malkin just kept on playing strong defense taking draws doing everything he could knowing that he hasn't like Crosby scored a whole bunch of points in this Stanley Cup finals he was doing all the other things that he could do to make an impact on the team and I think he was he was an unsung hero in this game there was another shot by our good man Hainsey who uh, took a shot with Hornquist in front and again it was none of these I think were really moments where you thought oh that was almost in or at least not very often and I don't think this was 
one of those chances. But anytime Hainsey gets a good shot, I mean, wouldn't that be beautiful? To get the game-winning goal for a guy who spent 700, was it 700, 900 games without reaching the playoffs, much less the Stanley Cup Finals. But anyway, that was saved as well. Cole gets a pass from Crosby. Rene makes a glove save on Cole. A little bit later, with about 10 minutes remaining, Oli Mata gets an interference penalty behind the net. And again, this is just it's one of these things where the puck gets put past him and he knows he's beaten. And so instead of just turning around and chasing the guy down, as the guy comes to go past him, he just body checks him into the net. And at least I believe that was into the net or may have been to the boards but I think it's into the net and he gets a penalty for interference that was straight up an interference call I had no problem with that that was just a bad situation and ultimately probably a bad choice by Mata but during the power play Daly gets a guy up against the boards again to Murray's right and he punches him in the face I mean he's you know they're battling it out and and he just gets in a quick shot to the face as he's coming up against him and that sort of thing and he gets a penalty for this and I'm okay you punch a guy in the face, yeah, okay, maybe, you, I mean, obviously, but the context is important. It's game six of the Stanley Cup Finals. It's nothing, nothing, and they're already one man down. You're going to put them down with 30 seconds left in the penalty. You're going to give them 30 seconds of five-on-three power play with 10 minutes left in the third period in a nothing-nothing game when the game is game six of the Stanley Cup Finals for a punch you know, not like not like he laid him out, right? It was a glove to the face. And yeah, kind of shocked him and kind of went back for a sec. But yeah, it was weird. I mean, the guys from the 1970s are probably looking at this and laughing their butts off, thinking, oh yeah, you know what I did in the Stanley Cup Finals and didn't get penalties called for? Even in the 1980s, 1990s. I mean, there, there's something to be said about when everything's on the line, there's certain penalties that you probably should just let go because they're not going to change the face of the game. And it's just, it's been accepted that it's just part of paying the price to be a champion, right? Is that you're going to go through some of these situations that are rougher and tougher and more difficult to get through. So you're going to take slashes. You're going to take cross checks. You you are going to be, I mean, you're going to go through hell to win the Stanley Cup. And the referees know this and normally they'd let that go. But suddenly they make the call and I'm thinking, oh, this is it. The referees have given game six to, to Nashville and we're going to Pittsburgh in game seven. But Dumoulin gets this amazing stick deflection and and it goes a shot that might have gone in the net, goes up over the boards and wow, that stopped in that 30 seconds. That was their best shot and they fail to score on that 30 seconds. There's still a minute and a half left of the regular penalty and they fail to score on that power play in total. And oh my goodness, it reminded me of the Canucks. The way they just passed and passed and passed and passed from point to point to side to point to point to side to point. And it's just kind of like, you've got P.K. Subban back there. Take a freaking shot, P.K., right? But no. uh, And I mean, granted, give the Penguins penalty killing all the credit because, wow, in that critical situation, they didn't give them a shot. They didn't give them an opening where they thought, no, okay, we at least take the shot. They're always thinking maybe someone's going to have a better shot. And the penalty's over. And there's eight minutes left in the third period. And so they keep at it. Sissons gets another awesome opportunity. Pass from PK. 
and Sissons puts it off the post, off of Murray's left post, and it rings off into the corner. That's how close they were. Just like Stan Smeal in 1994 Stanley Cup Finals against the New York Rangers puts one off the post, Game 7. And that's how close the Canucks were to, to winning that game. So, hey, look, I, I feel it for you. Because we all know now what happened with just like two minutes left. Patrick Hornquist ends up with the puck behind the net as he's crossing the goal line. The puck bounces off the backboards, off of the net, and while it's in midair, off of the back of the net, while it's in midair, Hornquist knocks it towards the back of the goaltender. It goes off Pekka Rene's arm, I think, or the side of his body, and deflects into the net and the Penguins have scored to go up one nothing with just a couple of minutes remaining in the game. Unbelievable. This is a magic bullet goal. Mid-air bounced off of this, bounced off of that. Hornquist just knocks it in midair, knocks it off Rene, Rene from the back of the net, off of Rene's back into his own net. How crushing. That goal in the second period that should have counted and now this goal, the five-on-three power play that they didn't score on. How heartbreaking for the Nashville Predators. Now Nashville puts on pressure to try to get a goal. They pull Pecorene, but Hagland sees the puck suddenly in just near center ice, all alone with just the empty net in front of him. He zips right up, picks up that puck, goes in on the breakaway on the empty net, and with 13.6 seconds left, scores the second goal of the game to put the Penguins up 2-0 with 13.6 left to clinch the 2017 Stanley Cup. There it is. That's how it finishes up. Penguins win their second cup in two years. And all of Pittsburgh goes crazy. My son next to me with tears in his eyes, just so happy that Pittsburgh won. So there it is. The Pittsburgh Penguins take the Stanley Cup. And what's next? The postgame show. This is the part of the pod where... I get to talk about what happens now that Game 6 is done and the Stanley Cup is won. And I have a special guest. Could you uh, reveal yourself? Who is my special guest? Aiden Lane. Uh, Here he is. This is my son who we've been talking about all this time and who's been the big Pittsburgh Penguin fan. Now we'll begin. Son, can you tell me who your favorite Pittsburgh Penguin is? Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby. Well, that's a good favorite to have. Hey, if there's an older Pittsburgh Penguin, who who would be your favorite? Um, Mario Lemieux. Oh, that's an excellent favorite, too. Now, who ends up winning the Conn Smythe Trophy for the most valuable player in this year's playoffs? It was Sidney Crosby. That's right, it was Sidney Crosby. And did you notice he was too busy taking a selfie? To hear that his name had been called. So he actually came up a little bit later yeah. as as Gary Bettman was standing there waiting for him. Now, Sidney Crosby won the Consmith last year as well, so that makes it two years in a row. And I believe it was Bernie Perron for the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers in 74-75, I think, or 73-74, who won it back-to-back. And there was only one other player who's won... The Conn Smythe Trophy two years in a row. Who was it? Besides Sidney Crosby and the other guy. And the other guy. Mario Lemieux. 
Mario Lemieux is right. Yeah, so those are the only three guys who's ever won the Stanley Cup Most Valuable Player back-to-back, and two of them were on the ice that game as Mario came on afterwards, right? Yeah, so that was pretty awesome. And then one of the one of the announcers for the CBC, one of the, um, I guess, commentators in the group that were talking about it, was suggesting that maybe, maybe the winner should be Fleury and Matt Murray. So the idea was that both goaltenders got the Penguins to this point, so they should both get the share in the prize. And that's not unprecedented in so much as there's been, like, for example, the William Jennings Trophy is always shared by the goaltending group, um, the best goaltending group in, in you know for that year. Now, out of Matt Murray and Marc-Andre Fleury, who would you say you like best? Matt Murray. Matt Murray. Wait. Maybe? <laughs> well, it's up to you. Whatever, whatever you say. Because they're both great choices. Fleury. You like Fleury. So what, what's Marc-Andre Fleury's nickname? Flower. <laughs> yeah, the flower. Right? Yeah, so... So yeah, no, that's a good choice um, because although Matt Murray is now the first player ever to win the Stanley Cup in both of his first playoff appearances, uh, that is, you know, in his first two years, um, although I thought Ken Dryden did that, maybe he won it first and then, anyway, but I believe I saw that statistic. But of course, Marc-Andre Fleury was their, their leading goaltender before. And he was awesome before, and now he they couldn't have won without him. Because, of course, he stepped in when at the beginning when Matt Murray was injured. So, yeah, that was awesome. So that is this year's Stanley Cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins winning second year in a row. Sidney Crosby winning the Most Valuable Player, player second year in a row. And Hainsey gets the cup first from Crosby this year. Because, as we've mentioned in this podcast alone, that Hainsey had played several hundred games without ever getting to the playoffs. And do you remember who Fleury got the got it? And then who did Fleury pass it to? Do you remember? Matt Murray. Matt Murray, that's right. So Murray had actually said afterwards he was actually ranked a lot lower for getting the cup. He was supposed to get the cup later with some of the other newer players. Because he's, you know, it's his only his second year. He's technically still a rookie this year. So Matt Murray didn't expect to get the cup right away, but but Fleury was like, nah, Murray's my buddy. And he goes and passes it to Murray, and that was kind of cool. So it was really nice to see them having a good time, and they had that big picture where not only the Penguins, but all of the assistant coaches and everybody, and, and Mario Lemieux came, and they had that big picture on the ice with the Stanley Cup. But... What didn't we see a lot of that we expected to see? In the locker room, we were expecting to see what? Oh, a lot of champagne. <laughs> That's right, a lot of champagne. So yeah, I mean, it, it's it's Stanley Cup tradition that after the the team wins, they go off the ice and they pour the champagne into the cup and they drink it out of the cup and you know, the whole thing. Sometimes um, they're too young to drink champagne, so they'll pull it, pour in just bubbling uh, apple juice or whatever. <laughs> yeah, or you know, or whatever, right? And then they'll drink that. How young are they? What's that? How young are they? How young are they? Well, in the United States, you have to be 
21 to drink alcohol. And some of these players start when they're like 18 or 19 years old. So, yeah, that's... Uh, Everybody on Pittsburgh's over 21, though, right? No, actually, I think Matt Murray is, is still 19 or 20. I could be wrong. Or uh, Jake Gensel. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, he's right in there. So, yeah, there, there would be a couple of Penguins that couldn't drink alcohol officially. But we did see a little seed of Kessel get champagne for it. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Kessel can be a bit of a bear sometimes. He can be a bit of a growly guy, but but yeah, no, he uh, he was really enjoying himself there. They were dumping champagne all over him and stuff. So so yeah, we get to we got to see that much of it, but it would have been cooler, I think, to see more. But regardless, there it is. The 2017 Stanley Cup champions is the. Pittsburgh Penguins. There we go. And we've got a, a happy son and a happy daddy because his son is happy. And hopefully one day we'll be able to say the same when the Vancouver Canucks win. Maybe it'll be like Bo Horvat's, you know, sixth or seventh year with the Canucks and he'll be a grizzled veteran and bring home the cup. It'll be awesome. But until then, this has been Aiden Lane. And Aaron Lane for the Canucks Corner Podcast. If you'd like to find me, I'm at Canucks underscore corner on Twitter. That's at Canucks underscore corner on Twitter. Or email me at CanucksCornerPod at gmail.com. That's CanucksCornerPod, all one word, at gmail.com. And until we pod again, thanks for listening. And keep your stick on the ice.